0: Hello, oh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of TA Tech Unboxed. Each episode, we're chatting to the people behind the products that TA and HR teams use every day. Uh, if you're not already watching this on YouTube, head over uh, for an unboxing of the core features of the product, which will be running at the second part of this show, in Chapter 3. Um, there'll be a link in the description for you. I'm Chris Haslam. I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Darren Bush. Mr. Darren Bush Hi, Chris.
1: Yeah, yeah, good. Good, thanks. Good, thanks. How are you?
0: Very good. I uh, just coming back from a client lunch. Um, so feeling very full and satisfied. Um, I also got my LinkedIn top recruiting voice badge you this did, week. Yeah. Congratulations uh, on that. Yeah. I mean, it's about time hours contributing to articles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. Uh, well, good. How about you?
1: Yeah, good. Um, I haven't got my my top recruiting voice uh, LinkedIn you deserve, uh, badge. you deserve to have one. Uh, that's what I was looking for. I was I was fishing for that. But um, no, I'm I'm good. It's uh, it's a good good start to the week so far. And uh, there's there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of obviously um, work being done at the moment. As I said, that we're gonna we're gonna be sharing this information. But we're doing some work on the early career acceleration program, and I'm hoping to start. You, you might have see this post while, already. Right? I have. Yeah, yeah, we have. Yeah, probably we'll be working on probably two months. Um, but in reality, this you know, we could have, it would have been nice to have six months, but we had two months to do it. And it's, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And we're going to share some of the things we've come across and lessons learned as well. So look out for those posts as well.
0: Interesting. Can't wait. And who do we have on the show today?
1: So today, I'm excited for our next guest. Michael Blakely is a co-founder of Equitas, an interview intelligence tool designed for fair hiring and helping companies build diverse teams. Michael, in his previous life, was a professional interviewer and assessment expert. He's conducted 10,000 interviews, which, according to Malcolm Gladwell, makes him now an expert on the subject. <laughs> so let's start the show by welcoming Michael.
2: Hi, Michael. Hello. Thanks very much for coming. Cheers for having me. Uh, great to be here and excited to talk about the space. And good to be qualified as an expert, but <laughs> hey... I'm not sure there's anything else I've done ten thousand times apart from interviews just yet.
0: <laughs> I was going to say I missed totally missed that in the show notes ten thousand interviews. <laughs> wow, that's what, that's what it says
1: on I mean, that's what it says on his, uh, his profile. So what it says, yeah.
0: Jeez, have we broke that down into like weeks and months? Do you know how many of that is?"
2: <laughs> I think I was averaging at the height of it maybe like eight per day um, as well, and like oh, wow. after after a full week of that, you are absolutely oh, shattered. Shut up. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> surprised. But we, but uh, like-
0: we've got. We believe there's a balance, right? It's like you can only do so many that you super can be super engaged in before interview fatigue super yeah. kicks in.
2: Hundred percent. And I've started chatting about interview fatigue again recently. And it's not just on the candidate side and then doing so many round after round after round. It's hiring managers as well. They'll burn out. Um, and like if you always have the best quality hiring managers doing your interviews, even they'll be shattered and not delivering on the day job as well at the same time. Hiring so it's
0: squads. Is the answer, like, you've got to have have people that are trained in your business to do this, not just one great HM.
2: Well, Amazon always had an internal program, didn't it? They called it the bar raisers, yeah, and and trying to teach different people to do it across the bar. But um, I think sometimes they were a little bit of the the veto experts in there that would just come in and say no a lot of the time. But that's my own take or opinion on it. It still was – I loved – the level of quality that uh, they put on their interview process and trying to make sure everyone was kind of up-skilled on there. Um, and the only thing with them, two men are leadership principles as well. I think they were like fourteen or something crazy like that. So I think that was the test to become a bar raiser. If you could, cite all fourteen, you're straight in.
0: <laughs> I have I have a friend as well that was his ex Amazon, and he lost his he lost his role there um, because he didn't match a bar raiser. And, of course, by not matching a bar raise, Amazon then highlights you as somebody who's not going to move through the business. So it then, it then tags you as, like, hey, you're blocking someone that could be. I was wow, like, wow. dude, that's super – that's harsh. It's yeah. harsh, but, like, if you think about it, as founders, as, as, as a leadership group, like, it's not it's not terrible practice, right? Um, yeah, of course, it identified always... training and coaching and stuff that he needed first. So there were indicators that he needed to go through to improve, and that's that that he went through, and then and then and then and then eventually became a leader there. Yeah. Um, but it was a serious performance review trigger for them. I was so surprised.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally agree that you can have, and I hate the term A players. There's just a, tea, a whole company of A players in there. You you need, you need a you need a combination. Otherwise, there's everyone fighting for like the one position each time
2: so one of our advisors uh, a guy called alex elliott um at strive at the minute absolutely exceptional and he writes about this within recruitment and ta all the time where he says if you have nothing but pure like a players like people out there at the top of the game it's just like the business won't succeed. You need B players who are like uh, steady and dependable and will stay for like, yeah. a certain duration of time. Otherwise, um, everyone will hop. You'll lose so much experience and knowledge um, across the business as well. The only thing you can't get away with is going and see your D player um, beneath. But there's so many people in the tech space that will say, oh, I only hire A players. And I think that's yeah. just an excuse like for not training people up um, well, as well.
0: An A class team, team has defenders and attackers and midfielders, right? or an A player mm. is not just that driving force always forward. It is you need to have mm. I, I don't think it's fair on people to brand them as a B player, right?
2: I it different from skill set, might be super mm. conscientious. It could be an A
0: uh, totally and an A player. A conscientious yeah. Yeah. A player is, is also okay.
1: I think there's a gap in um, the market here. I think we'd be talking about B players. We should be talking about B players and C players. <laughs>
0: give us a quick view into your background. How the hell did you get into starting and building Equitas and we'll do the product stuff in chapter two.
2: Cool, like Darren said, used to be a professional interviewer, assessment consultant as well. So that late stage of the hiring process, it was normally me sat in a room, either on my own or alongside a hiring manager as well. I'm I had the opportunity to work for some incredible companies all across london ireland further afield. so transport for london and uh, whenever i was uh, based for a bit further down london b sky b aldi was my first ever employer and i left and set up a lifestyle recruitment agency to recruit directly for them so that was the first introduction into the world of recruitment and one that taught me an absolute ton because whenever we go a bit deeper today we'll maybe have the opportunity to talk about bias whenever i first got started i had no idea i think i was clueless Mm. whenever i was doing my first round of interviews in my early 20s hiring people in daldi and you learn a lot of people through trial and error um, as well started working for lots of freelancing all across the place and i always say whenever i'm doing my and calls if you name a government department in london i've probably done interviews for them at some stage so Mm. it was always kind of public sector it was high volume and the last contract before I jumped and went full time and um, with Equitas was actually for the prison service. So they were in a really interesting spot. They needed to hire tens of thousands of prison officers over a short period of time. So I think it was about 5000 plus during the 18 months that I was there and it was me setting up assessment and interview teams um, across a few different regions with them as well. Um, Prison prison service, if you do work with them and you work with ex-governors, be warned, super dark sense of humor, absolute salt <laughs> of the earth people. I thought I would never be able to work in a normal environment ever again after working with them and the sort of jokes that they made, but yeah. some, some lifelong friends um, in there as well. But um, for me, I always used to run into the same two problems, no matter what company I was working for there. One, it was never a digital process at the late stages. You'd be sat in a room, pen and paper, Trying to take notes and have an engaging conversation with a candidate at the same time, never succeeding. You'd either have a super engaging conversation and think this person's perfect for the role, You'd look down at your notes and be like, shit, I have no idea how to justify this. They are absolutely perfect for the role, but super engaging, but I've gotten off in there. And then the flip side, you could have super detailed notes and this really stunted conversation. The candidate would think, hey, Michael seemed a little bit weird. Not sure if I'm going to go and work with that company there because he couldn't really hold the conversation um, at the same time. So that was the one side of it. Everyone else you've had from interview intelligence in the market will probably be banging that drum around capturing that data, which is super important. For me, the bigger problem was the bias that could creep in. Now, some of those old hiring managers I used to work with, by the end of a few days interviewing with me, they could be professional interviewers. They were really switched on. They knew more about the business than I did. They knew exactly the the sort of knowledge within the role um, as well, and they'd learned how to interview quite well just after doing it for a few days in a row. So hiring manager bias was one of the main reasons that we kind of said with Equitas, let's try and solve something big. Let's go in here see if we can create fair high focusing in and around interviews first as well. So everything that we do as an organization kind of touches on the one core value that sits right at the top of all our values, trying to be inclusive by default. So is this fair for interviewers? Is this fair for the organization? Is this fair for candidates? And whenever it comes to that, that's how we try to build out product as well. So it's not just capturing the data. It's trying to make sure that there's that structure there in the process so that they're actually doing good interviews as well.
0: Badass. Love it. <laughs> um fairness for interviewers that's an interesting like purview and jumping slightly ahead into some of the stuff we want to talk about in terms of market but um mm. define that for me
2: so there's so many times that interviewers or hiring managers might not have a ton of experience and they're just they really like interview this candidate and they're like off we go and it's just like that's not really fair on them, is it? To be like, this is a skill set that nobody's taught you before. Okay, maybe you've done a little bit of training around unconscious bias training. Um, maybe you've like had a bit of a look. Sometimes I talk to people and they'd be Googling questions, good interview questions to ask around this role. So I don't think it's fair on interviewers to be put into that position or that time pressure as well i i look at our product and sometimes we give people advice if they're scheduling too many interviews for an interviewer in a short space of time as well because they need time to review time to score it as well so if you don't consider a hiring manager and interviewer perspective as well i don't think you'll build the right tool um off the back of that and i've got a, a contrarian opinion in, in our space as well ton of people talking about ai notes I don't think that's fair for either interviewers or candidates because I was taught best practice um, interviewing where you consider all every bit of information within that context as well. Every other interview intelligence provider at the minute will have AI notes, shorten it down, shorten it down, summarize, three bullet yeah. points. Yeah, summarize, auto-summarize, yeah. make a decision based on that. Yeah. The amount of bias that can introduce is that's absolutely insane. That is so, contrary, like, contrary,
1: definitely different. So, yeah.
2: So, so you as a hiring manager might think, oh, three bullet points, that's great. I'll just score them based on that. What if there is one huge negative one that was left out there as well what if the ai just picks up on the positive bits in the conversation as well people are jumping into something that could make their life easier there and forgetting about best practice assessment and um, which is reviewing everything like and whether that's listening in the audio and looking at the transcription at the same time as well it is you need to be fair for the people who are deliver that so what that looks like in reality whenever we jump into the tool a little bit later here is I think interviews should have some level of consistent question sets and probing questions and be taught how to use those and how to do those, but know that every interview is unique. Each person's different. So even if the conversation does go off a little bit, they can bring them back in with a probe. They can ask additional questions. Like we're big in healthcare. So if someone says something that doesn't sound safe, I 100% want that interviewer yeah. to jump in and probe and dig in deeper and more information, even if the question isn't in front of them right there and then as well.
1: You, you raise a really good point because um, I never really looked at um, AI interview intelligence or AI, AI summarizing notes as leaving the AI to kind of condense and edit what the actual was said in the in the interview. And by doing so, like you said, you're leaving out something negative. So one of the, A couple of things you said in your, when you were leading up to this was when it comes to interview intelligence is data capturing is one, Mm-hmm. Two is bias. Two, Three is probably the questions that are asked you know, in terms of the evaluation questions. And four was fair and inclusive. And if those were like, there might be more. It would be great if you can add any more in terms of the pillars. But what you're saying there, when it comes to data capture, if the other three are all out of sync and they're not correct, then in reality, you, you've got bars still. You're not asking the right questions. And it's therefore, you know, it potentially, you might be fair. The actual notes aren't strong enough
2: exactly and like if you're just capturing like i had a conversation with someone recently it was like oh we use ms teams we can record and with that like great does it segment it down into the different question sets and areas are you going to track and measure that in the long run and and see which questions work and which ones don't no it it probably all starts right at the top so i would do the interview training piece and then next set down you write down Mm -hmm. questions Mm -hmm. like if you're not asking good quality interview questions with follow-up probes and your interviewer's aren't consistently delivering on that, then everything below it, like the quality of what goes in is, you know, what you're going to get out of the back of it as well. So capturing data for the sake of it just isn't enough. It's about upskilling every single interview. And, and like if that's only 10 to 20% improvement with, with what we do, hey, I'm all for it. Um,
1: yeah. Let's talk about as well about the training side, because you've, you're, we, 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 we joked about obviously being a, a Malcolm Gladwell expert on interviewing, <laughs> um and you've you've worked with obviously incredible client roster from b sky b to audi as you said um what is it what do you need to become someone who's proficient at you know at asking questions
2: genuine interest in the other person like the further that i've moved away from doing interviews as day-to-day and then come back to it now like the skill that i've got as hiring people late stage interviews like give me ask me to go find you a thousand candidates and do sourcing i couldn't can do that i'd be clueless i'd be learning from you both use how to go out and sourcing. give me like a thousand tell me are my top 10 like by interviewing them absolutely love that um, piece as well but you need to be genuinely interested in them and for me I, I always give a lot of founders advice and say look motivation is half the battle whenever it comes are they motivated by the company the mission are they motivated by the role that they're going to come in and do and work as and if you can kind of align on all of that Yes, the skill, technical skills are important. Yes, behavioral questions are important on that side as well. But all of that's like half the battle. And on that motivation piece, if you've got a good interviewer, like they can get that out of people, engaging with them back and forth as well, style of questions they ask, knowing when to probe in, dig deeper as well um, on top of that. So that's all huge trusting in the process and the quality of your materials is huge as well i always talk to people about my journey whenever i started absolutely clueless so i thought hey no such thing as bias can't be biased as well halfway through my kind of professional interviewer career i started questioning every decision i make thinking about it too long being like oh this is a female candidate oh northern irish candidate do i am I overscoring them i would be more generous here there and well and then i came out the other side where i was just like if someone's taking the time to evaluate this job properly create some really good behaviours, values, skills that we're going to score them against and then give me a really clear scoring indicators back, forth, left, right, centre. Then I was like, I'm doing as far as I can be and put myself and sense check myself. Um, great. And then if they have multiple people scoring it, that's even better sense check as well to make sure you're not going off um, too far um, off the back of that as well. But there's lots of little simple things that you can use to train your interviewers to kick off with and best practice. Um, and then it's about moderating them, checking in, uh, and seeing who's doing it. Um, lots of cool stuff we're thinking about in the long run as well to see if interviewers are actually engaged in the process, but I'll I'll not release it just yet.
1: <laughs> should, should we talk about our bias as well? Because you, you, you keep touching on it, and uh, you call, you called me out actually on the on the prep call about um, <laughs> one bias that I think was a blind spot for me, which was we were interviewing candidates, and I said that you know sometimes when it comes to kind of giving feedback you have to get you you want to see all the candidates and then before making a final decision and you call me out on that um for you know for and you you go michael as you explain it says what the bias is for uh, that i was i had (laughs)
2: Well, just, just on that one, like try and encourage interviewers just to focus on each individual interviewer. Uh, sorry, each individual candidate. Um, otherwise, you start comparing, contrasting. Um, oh, did they have this? Did they not as well? And it could influence decision across the board. Yeah, isn't, um, that just
1: the, isn't that just a natural thing though to do? Isn't it? That, that's what we, we tend to do as humans. That's one of the things that comes under the bias because you, you want to, especially after you see the second person, you, you can't help but compare.
2: It's yeah, hard. but you should just, try and wait to the end and like that's the other thing really simple thing about scoring like always try to encourage people whenever it's fresh in their mind and it's there so um whether it's just delivered the interview scoring it afterwards as well if you can now because we're capturing the interview it's great like we talked a little bit about asynchronous panel interviews great way to do it where they can listen in and like score with that transcript right there and then and as well and for me i'd love it if people vary the order because you compare and contrast down like if you have like an absolute amazing candidate first one um like some people will fall into this trap of just being like all right that's the bar that everyone like needs to, to meet and hit from there as well and like it could be a multi-stage interview process as well so there's just there's too many variables so that mindset of being like going to score this one person based on the criteria metrics i've got in front of me great done and then at the end you can have your your kind of wash up and be like okay Here's the person I thought, but um, I've heard one recently where someone said, we want to make an offer and we've got two more interviews on the, the Friday because we're worried about losing someone. And I'm just like, hey, I wouldn't make that offer. I would hold out, um, but I'm not the recruiter. I'm the, the interviewer. <laughs>
1: just on the evaluation scorecard, because there's something that we, you know, we're looking at as well. How do, you, how do you set that scorecard up? How do you get that kind of benchmarking up? So you're just purely looking at that role and what the score you're looking for and to ensure that you're only, only focused on that candidate. So what advice do you have for people who are you know sort of trying to do that benchmarking piece?
2: It depends on their level of hiring maturity. Like sometimes if people go overkill, tailor every single role, like five, six indicators, it can blow their hiring manager's mind and they'll just be like, whoa, 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 what's going yeah. on here as well? So normally I'd say, look, there's easy ways to introduce something that's a little bit more generic early on as well. So if you of an organization have a set of behaviors or like values that you normally score against, great. And like values interviews, um, I'm always huge on it. I always tell everyone, hey, if you Google values hiring, uh, Equitas' article comes up as number one. That's a bit of an introduction into what values-based hiring um, actually is as well. And values, that can be asked for nearly any role. So that's normally a really nice introduction and a way to make sure that, hey, this is introducing structured interview process um, as well. And anyone can sit in that. Um, you have, can have someone outside of the team, um, you know, marketing person, hiring a, a developer, vice versa as well, and getting a different take and opinion um, within the room. Now, whenever people start to niche down by different departments and different roles, I love it whenever they, they tailor um, specifically uh, for that it can become a bit overwhelming. I've seen people try to create like 200 different planning and organizing questions. That's overkill. That's a question bank that's too big for one particular behavior as well. Um, So it's this balance of getting the right kind of generic questions and then tailoring down for each and every role, but it comes back down to hiring manager time. Are they gonna have enough time to sit and create these these criteria or do they need a lot of handholding from TA? So um, TA involving hiring managers is usually the best way to create it whenever we've seen it done well. If hiring managers are left to their own devices they might not have the the time the capacity to set those up even if you're showing them what good looks like for other roles as well on top of it so it's a really hard balance to to strike right for every organization if they've never seen what one of these these frameworks looks like then you've got to start it off sort of slower smaller more generic across the board as they get really skilled some of your hiring managers can buy into the process and if it's a role that they hire for regularly these scoring indicators and criteria metrics become secondhand and makes that sort of evaluation process so much easier. They know exactly what they're looking for in the role. They can say where the gaps are. Um, It's amazing. I I love it whenever it's done well. And within our product as well, it makes the auto-generated feedback so much more detailed and rich.
0: I love how I don't think people really understand the the value over time, right? It's the iter- the iteration of the process and niching, like getting those, refining those questions, and even broadening them slightly to to to, to make sure you're generating the answers that you need to evaluate, um, is uh, is I uh, definitely the the market is moving that way. Everyone's getting better at it. I've even started coaching like candidates when I when I speak to them when, whenever they're asking me that, how do I how do I deal with these values based questions? How do I deal with like these these questions that aren't maybe directed but they're looking for an answer I was like I uh, did it one this morning for a product designer super difficult market to do it for right um, uh, and I was saying that you've got all the information that you need there to to retrofit uh, like looking at questions and how you might be asked them and, and and what they will be evaluating and making sure that you are prepared to go into those sessions to give answers based on whatever, is being evaluated and whatever the information you've been giving you, you've been given, um, it's like, I I feel, I feel like candidates are getting way more aware that the process is now just not come in, meet the hiring manager. Uh, Hmm. and you know, you're going to ask, get uh, you know, asked a a random set of questions based on your experience. Right. And now they feel like they're being evaluated.
2: And if i'm a candidate in this market at the minute i'm doing two things i'm pre- preparing a load of past examples and scenarios that link in to whatever that particular company looking for and i'm also thinking to myself doing that research on what do they normally look for what's the website what's back in the job advert the role as well so if they ask me any scenario based questions that, yeah, especially if they can look who's there and, and pattern match of what they're looking for there as well it's amazing but scenario based questions going f- forward looking as well how would I solve problems within this organization um, and prep that across the different functions that are all like so useful
0: I also like weaponizing values back I think I I even got that from you it's like you've given me a set of values for me to look at how what questions can I ask back at the company that shows that they are adhering to those values give me an example when X I know there's probably better questions for it again new area I'm super new to it but I thought it was a super fascinating way to look at being interviewed and interviewing the company. Um yeah I've seen it I on that on the D&I thing.
1: people um are asking about diversity inclusion Wow, how you know what what's the diversity inclusion policy and process as well you know, the company and the, to, through your hiring process. Really like I look at those it's really hard questions that you know that they can, can can be asked where it puts the hiring manager in the spotlights and
2: I <laughs> I I love it. We're hiring for a front end developer at the minute. And some of the feedback that we had off Amy, uh, one of our senior engineers, she was like, I'm gonna ask some great questions by the candidate right at the end being like, look, you've got this on your website as well as working. What does that look like in reality day to day? You've got this value um, here as well. You know, like how do you kind of embody that as well? So it's some great, great, great um, candidates know to ask Mm -hmm. good quality questions at the end of the interview as well.
0: You posted about this the other day, Michael um the hiring your front-end developer role and you you mentioned you were going to unpack it in an article my assumption is the article is going to come out before we go live on on this particular uh, (laughs) podcast i'd love to pick your brains about it because oh and if you haven't seen it by the way guys i'll share a link to the post in the description uh because the um um post talked about first of all you're hiring a front-end developer role you had 561 applications. What? <laughs> I mean, I've been doing hiring for startups for all my adult life, and I've never seen that many applications come through for for a first of all for a developer role. Second of all, I th- you know, in your post, you were talking about um, you'd you've been using ChatGPT, and and it and it had some unreal effects. Do you mind just unpacking it a little bit for us? I, I, just, I really wanted to put you on the spot with this.
2: But both sides, I've seen it um, from candidates for for ChatGPT. And like some of the stuff that came through, I'd never expect. I thought there was candidate fraud at one point whenever I saw similar answers start to come through. I'm like, are these candidates sharing like what they do? And it was the simplest thing. Again, I I can't remember if it was Javier or Amy. Actually, I think it was Amy in our our dev team said, Michael, take what your application question is and put it in there and say, answer this. And that was it. That was the same answer we saw come up time and time again, five or six times. And I'm just like talk about like lazy prompting that's insane isn't it if you as a candidate think and the thing that really got me and this is what makes me think it's going to be so interesting seeing how people use chat gpt the answer automatically defaulted to a technical one um as well so maybe the people who are on there using um chat gpt the most are devs as well um and that role was was not Specific around a front end or developers are very general. Hey, tell us about the most challenging uh, project that you've ever worked on, or one of the other ones, um, the proudest project that you ever worked on, defaulted Mm to a technical um, example and answer as well. So I wonder if that influences um, what we're going to see come out in terms of output. If it's all the most sort of early adopters, innovative ones, it's always going to kind of be technical. So you
1: repurposed. can I I just ask, can you unbox the process, like what you set up? Like, oh and end, yeah
2: 100 yeah. and like that's the thing that's in question as well because whenever it's a, hopefully i've written the article by now it'll be live as well let's see i might be going slow and still might be due to come out Um, i wanted to know if it was overkill or not for the role that we're hiring for or whether it was streamlined enough or not so really s- simple four-step process so one uh four application questions um and we tell the candidates look that's what you're going to be scored on not your cv and not your background where you're from 200 words max on each of these four questions and we're going to anonymize it as well so we don't even see your name what's your background where you're from as well so and it was me anonymizing it passing it to george we don't have a cool tool or anything like that yet and then he was going through and scoring them based off that any contentious ones there and like strong profiles who were nearly at the line would nudge them through based off the back of that. I'd get them to review the profile at it's that stage. A, and so um,
1: before that, your sourcing channels, you mentioned three. You... Ah,
2: yeah. So, so Otter, um, which was brand new Auto Pro as well. That got a shout out. volume. Big shout out.
0: Great. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic platform. We're a big fan. I don't know if we've got, have we got them piped?
1: We haven't, the show, we haven't yet. No.
0: Okay. Theo. <laughs> I've been chasing you for months. I really want to get you on. Um,
1: sorry.
2: Yeah. No, no, no. Otto auto, auto were, auto were spot on. And like that's where a lot of the volume came from, I think, as well. Um, Resumo, we used as our ITS. Really close partner. Got a load of mutual clients together. Castle over there. Huge shout out to him. Make sure you, you check his out. Uh, just a great uh, ITS, especially for stage Cup. Also awesome, not on the show.
0: Also yeah. on the show also <laughs> Add on to the show. show. We're going to get yeah. them on.
2: He he can talk to you about healthcare, public sector hiring. I think he's got the most um, hospitals and trusts back in, in all of Southern Ireland. So he's like united the whole market there. Super interesting to chat to him about his go to market yeah. and how he got there as well. And then the last thing that we used was LinkedIn um, as well. So previously, um, whenever we'd used LinkedIn, we'd maybe spent about a couple hundred quid on a roll and got about maybe 30, 40 applications. Yeah. Set up the same this time. So a, and job
0: advert, a job advert on LinkedIn.
2: Just a job advert on LinkedIn. And then put them through to Resumo. There you go. Bada bing, bada boom. You'd maybe get 30 to 40 applications. This time around, bang. It was just like maybe 147 from um, Resumo and LinkedIn. Jeez. And then the, the rest came by auto as well on top of that. So the, the thing that I think helps is job advert and job copy. And like for us, uh, we knew first time... Temp- you, hey, are you? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: you saw my face I was like
2: <laughs> I think it's simple tweaks like what's important yeah, but... to use a company so like for us we kind of lead with the whole reason we exist is to create a fair hiring so our dei statement isn't something that's tacked on at the end it's like look mm-hmm. this is why we're doing what we're doing like is that something you buy into don't mind what your background who you are come in like help us help us with this mission that we're on as well and um, another th- thing that i think is a really simple one like two three bullet points is just like something to grab their attention right at the top to be like why this role and like just something to try and hook in early on and get them reading that next paragraph down as well and then for me it's super important to be like what are the interesting challenges that you're going to be working on because they don't want to just come in and a day job what's interesting what's exciting as well not going to be spending a hundred percent of your time on the most interesting things as well but again what are two three bullet points there and then last piece and everyone who's any kind of dei expert consulted will be not going overkill on must-haves and um, so i think it was texty i wrote research on that a while ago where it was like six bullet points or less which we always try and do anything after that just start throwing them in nice to haves as well Broadens your your pull out. Okay, a bit too much. I even sometimes argue um,
0: to remove to remove nice to haves a little bit, right? Like, yeah. At, at times, Fair. because I feel like the further down the bullet points I get, the more I'm going. Oh, I don't have that one. Oh, I don't yeah. have that one. Now, now it's, it was you know if you put six, I'm at one or two, with the nice to haves, I might be at like five or six, and I start someone starts to think you know, ah, oh, I'm I'm not right for this. I haven't got any of the nice to haves. I've got some of the. Yeah, I'm not I'm not right for this. So I'm always a big fan of open funnel top of top of funnel because I believe yeah. that that actually helps you mitigate I don't like it when people talk about getting the right applicants to apply because the right applicant what is that I think that's really difficult I be, I believe top uh, your top of funnel should be open because it will it will invite more diversity um into your funnel in the first place uh, it'll stop people from going oh, I you know I can't do that or I'm not that or this is, doesn't look like me
2: um, and the the one I'd love to find out from both of you is like years of experience. There'll be some organizations who mandate it, like you have to put something in there as well. And like for us, we've removed it out. So again, it's it's a balance. If you're not testing them technically throughout the rest of your process, you could be in danger there, couldn't you, of like hiring someone who can actually do the role. But as long as there's some sort of technical yeah. test, I think you can strip it out, can't you?
0: Well, if you if, if you get the process right, you don't it doesn't matter. I think yeah. you can get just get you can, get the, you can get really, a really good group of people at the top, a really diverse group of people at the top. Sorry, Dan, I know I cut you off there, but I think then it's about your process, right, and it, your, your ability to evaluate. Um, and that's where the controls need to come in, uh, where you need to be super good at just making sure that the individual that you eventually want to hire or individuals that you eventually want to hire is you know going to actually have that impact and, and pushes your business forward. I totally and utterly agree with you on that. Like, get them in at the top it's a a marketing play isn't it you don't i always think this like what what form have you ever filled in to buy a product has made you fill in a cover letter as to why you you deserve to let me service you my product none ever seems dumb to me right
2: and i realize we've gone way off um piece in terms of chatting about what our process was so sorry after so those attraction platforms, job advert, um three to those four application questions. Um, after that point, we'd invite them to the technical test. Now this one, you've both overlapped in and around tech for as well. And um, For the tech test, we didn't want to do anything linked to interviews, HR as well, in case people thought they'd be working for free, which I've seen other people in the space do. And actually, I normally don't name drop them. Let's see if I get sued off the back of this. But I'd heard Revolut um, in the days used to say, hey, your technical test is go find us 300 customers um, before, before the end of the week as well. So things like that, we need to get out of the space um, as well. So it is dangerous and like that's for us we went with something off yeah. the wall and we went hey uh, building rockets and rocket ship um as well sort of thing and, and linking into some open api data there last two stages technically yeah,
1: so you didn't go with a third party
2: platform you didn't go no,
1: for, in, you actually did something in-house
2: and you yeah. in-house in-house all the technical yeah. test providers yeah. out there for smes are way too expensive um like and we're really lucky that we've got two super senior engineers who can design, review really well and look at that. I guess once people get to a certain size of organization, having standardized streamlined paired coding tests and stuff like that could work. but some of the people we've heard quota stuff in the past, eye watering like per candidate um costs as well as a, as a startup doesn't work for us and so we can do it I think we can do it better ourselves. After tech test, we got to a technical interview um, with one of our senior engineers and then final stage interview. Obviously the interviews we did through Equitas and we did them asynchronous panel interviews. So one person would deliver, ask the questions, capture all the data, score. Other person would listen back, look at the transcript and score in their own time um, as well. And yeah, last stage one was was the values interview. Uh,
0: The way you guys think about evaluation um you know a lot of people jump into an interview at the end of that interview and go that was really good wasn't it um i, I scored them a f- i scored them a five um out of ten i scored them a five out of ten on that i can't really remember the notes from that bit but i like the uh, we are big fans of pull off platform delay wait evaluate later once questions have settled i've been going through a process of learning for myself for that and actually uh, i did a test where i tracked my i did my my immediate interview notes and scorecard then waited and then redid it after reading my notes again and they were they were varyingly different they were they were they were there was there was a huge swing um, which way so i did a, my own personal testing which so, way uh the opposite uh over time over time they became the opposite um after having thought about the answer that i'd given because i would again you know all the basics of of interviewing done badly right like vibe interview total vibe the interview i'm coming out i'm like yeah but they were weak there but we really got on so that's that's a five for for technical
2: this is the problem that can sometimes come in is people don't assess them on the quality of the content it's how much they like them um as well and where i think that can can split is Uh, extroverted candidates versus introverted as well. So they might not be super engaging, but they might give you quality content as well and get scored down because of that lack of engagement, even though they might not need it for the role. Should
0: we just pick up on what Chris has said? I also think, sorry, there was a final part of that. I I also think like going back and reviewing the answer that I wanted or like what I was looking for, I think was uh, a a big part of the process for me is like actually going back and looking at the question and looking at the intended result, thinking about the intended response I wanted for those questions, then reviewing allowed me to go, actually, they did a poor job. They did a really poor job of, of hitting the, hitting the markers I was looking for, which I found super interesting. And how much I'd been led by my bias. Of the quality of the, the the individual in the interview, I thought that was super interesting. So, sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, because no, we,
1: what um, you're saying though, you were trying to, I want to ask get Michael's opinion on this. So, in, in, Chris, you're saying that when you we have an interview, you should actually, you can evaluate there, but you should evaluate maybe 24 hours later and then review it. It gives you time to sort of like, for it to sink in. Thirty minutes. Thirty minutes. Thirty, 30, 30 minutes. Is 30 minutes okay. okay. Yeah, I mean... it. Okay. I... Was Michael? What's your what's your opinion? What's the In terms of the, the,
2: you know, the. This is is really interesting actually, now that we talk about this, and maybe this practice and process is going to change because best practice always used to be have to do it there and then, right after the interview. And I think the reason for that is because no one's notes were ever 100% and they'd forget. And you'd forget about stuff as well. Whereas if everyone's getting more comfortable with data, like interview data being captured, candidates okay with it, hiring managers the same as well. The process actually might change in the future or when you actually do the scoring as well so what we've seen in reality and like for me it's probably just personal preference and i don't know if there's a little bias to this as well i love it whenever if i'm the one reviewing if i'll get in and do it first thing in the morning um, as well really fresh can like listen to the interview look at the transcript at the same time as well and score based off that and Real big danger that I see across a lot of the different platforms is being able to see other people's scores and if you're sharing interviews and, and you're tagging and you're commenting, oh, check out this cool bit here and there. People are going to be influenced massively. And whether that's seniority bias coming in and like yes. the, the person who's in charge of the role, like um being like, Oh, I love this candidate, what do you think? And you being like, Yeah, spot on as well. So the one bit of advice I'd always give for evaluation is make sure you do it independently and don't chat to anyone. Don't let crispy yeah. like die. You've got to listen to Michael. Incredible interview as well. Immediately yeah. skewed. Um and you wanna don't wanna go too far off um from what you're that-
0: what I'd learned and I thought was super interesting is the role was to work with my business partner and my role in my role in the evaluation wasn't necessarily technical. My role in this particular e- e- environment was to think of the agenda of the hire and why we were bringing that individual in and then evaluate them against the why, not the technical answers, even though I could give some view. I'm an experienced recruiter. I'm his business partner. I've been here for a long time as well. but. Taking me out of that environment and making me look down on the higher and thinking, right, what is this? What's the role? What's it here to do? What's the agenda? That really changed my answers, and walking away really helped.
2: And there's one thing you've touched on there that's super interesting. If it's a technical question, you don't have the technical expertise, you need to be led or guided by it on that that stage. If it's part of the interview, so I've seen that where other people prefer to do a bit of collaborative scoring there if they don't have the ability and to do it, and literally just opt out of that one because. Hey, if it's within a healthcare and it's like me doing a surgical oh, yeah. interview as well, I'm not scoring yeah, on that. Yeah. Dear God, I can score them on their planning and organizing and on other behaviors and resilience and things like that. Cannot do well, technical. Also,
0: we're all so exposed to different biases, aren't we? Like, like yeah. my business partner was technically impressed, uh, but wasn't, was blinded by the need for the hire, right? Mm-hmm. So he was technically impressed. And my agenda was uh, this. Uh, you know, I will unpack the higher off court. It's another point to, to give some context to this, but um, because I can't share right now. But um, I, I just—it was the first time I'd been exposed to the dynamic of. Uh, of a hire where it wasn't for me specifically or I wasn't evaluating just like, can they do the job? I had a particular reason I was in the interview, super structured by my business partner and, and his part of the workflow here. Um, I just thought it was super interesting. And then when we were when we were talking to you on the pre-calls and all the other stuff that we've been doing on, on this podcast, really got me thinking about how this is so true. It's a really practical. It feels good as well. I know I've made the right so, hire.
2: So that one piece you've talked about, when's the best time to evaluate that's probably changing now in the world that we live in. Um, up until now, it was always immediately right after. Do it then before you forget everything while notes are fresh in your head as well. That could yeah. change in the future. I like it's. It'll be interesting to see what people come out with best practice as going to, I forward. Think
1: for me, there needs to be some studies, whether it be A/B testing to sort of see because the way I the way I think of in terms of evaluating. You, you touched on it. You think about the forgetting curve. And that, you know, you do the, you do the interview and all of a sudden you start, you know, you start forgetting everything. And, and is it, is, you know, within 30 minutes, potentially you might have forgotten about 10, 20% already of that material. And now you're filling the gaps with, you know, what you think you, thought, think you heard or thought you heard. So I'd be, be interested in terms of someone looks at that and goes, in this system where they evaluate straight away. And then you ask them again to evaluate 30, 45 minutes later or, or, or maybe 24 hours later and see what the scores are coming out there.
2: But there's there's even another one, um, to go back to your, your kind of point earlier about comparing yeah. candidates against each other, um, and now this isn't linked to job interviews but it was an Israeli judge study that they did uh, and it was maybe um, harshness or leniency of sentences based on time of day and if it was like right before lunch you were getting sentenced like no matter what and no bail set and then right after right after lunch it would go up there would be more bails coming through as well and then the curve would start going down as people got hungrier so people can be harsher or more generous based on the time of day how hungry they are what's going on there as well so It'd be fascinating to see like, is there a sweet spot window of when to evaluate candidates? Uh, is it every morning between nine and Yeah, that's the challenge, am? isn't it?
1: When you've, you've just, you've, uh, you're asking them to do it straight away. If you then ask them to do it 24 hours again, if you have another person before, after that, excuse skews you. And then, like you said, the time of day, you know, potentially might be different. That could, that, that could impact it as well. But yeah, I think it's something that they, when it comes into yeah. intelligence, this is like that field that you're in. I'd love to see more information come out from that uh, and more data on that. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's, that's going to be a fascinating um, to see, but definitely at the minute, I'm still a bit of a purist. If you're the one conducting it and scores needed, immediately after, do it then. If you're anyone else involved in the process, a bit of time when you're alert, alert awake, something early in the morning, always good for do, me. Do you
1: want to um, unbox the, the process you had with your, um, into that you did the, the four stages, but can you just give us a summary in terms of what was what was kind of the insight you had at each different stage? you're hiring that, that and you've hired that person right you've you've announced
2: made an offer today um so congratulations I, I, i'm super excited they seem absolutely incredible as well and um there's actually a huge sort of left turn at the end as well on something that we discovered um in terms of like final candidates that we got to and um, so like two absolutely exceptional ones and one of the ones that we we're contemplating offering with as well. I'm not going to spoil the article. You have to go and read it here as well. But um, some some flags um, and concerns um, coming up as well in terms of location where they're actually based and and yeah, oh, it's. He's... I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna leave yeah. it as a cliffhanger here. Yeah. But, but we had to do a lot of digging there to to try and find out um, who this person was, where they're from, and okay. everything like that. Right to um, check. Well. So Is it like you talking about that? Okay, yeah yeah okay yeah so interesting uh, but read it i'll not go i'm not you to you're gonna it. have to read it i'll 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 go and go into more detail on that we'll hope we'll um, be
0: able to share it in in um in description by the time this is coming out of course i will do everything for everybody
2: i um, hope, hope you give me enough lead time but they give you a bit of an overview of the process so job advert that's key I think we got it right this time um and for that leading in the attraction using multiple channels there yeah, too high a volume is what I would say in the world, of chat GPT um, and AI, a lot more people applying a lot more generically as well. Amazing to get that level of volume. I would have, if I had more budget, sort of entered a few things in there to save us time on the manual processes, sifting through people anonymously and blind as well, but want to be quite good with practice process there. Tech test, I think we progressed too many people towards that as well, but um, we thought, hey, they're in with a shout, let's make sure that we, we test them so you can get them through the technical interview as well. Um, whenever it started to get to the later stages, I think we had about, I'll double check um, as well, maybe 12 through the technical interview, um, maybe plus or minus uh, a few extra people there as well. Um, I would say only about six of them made it through the final stage interview as well. Um, obviously using our own questions platform within there as well we for this role because it was a bit uh bit different to previous roles as well we thought hey maybe we'll streamline our scoring and hiring criteria down it's it's a test that's proved what we thought in that it made it more difficult to to differentiate and score them as well so definitely going back to like five six points as well um that we used to do it and actually we're redeveloping our values in the process so even though i said earlier about Googling values hiring, um, don't look at our, our values on the website. They still need a bit of work, and we're going to streamline it and have an experiment here, which I think worked Good out luck. well. Good luck.
0: Good luck. luck. It's, it should be iterative, right, that process. I, to- I, to- I totally agree. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it is like you don't know what you use day to day until you get in and start to get to know the team and what works for you as well. How many
1: hours in total did you spend as a company interview for this one role? We've not
2: got it all metriced out yet as well, but for the interviews on average, um, they were about 45 minutes okay. um, as well. So, um, yeah, it yeah. wasn't too many hours, yeah. I don't think. Um, so, yeah, it was it's a hard one because for us, whenever we go and preach to people we're just like, look if they've hit the benchmark on a technical test invite yeah. them to interview and let's see how they do and you can start to build your employer brand with every single interview that you do if you're giving them super quick candidate feedback even if they don't make it trying to refer them on to other people who might be a good fit for the role or looking for a front-end dev as well they'll they'll thank you for it they'll remember you and like it just helps build out that brand with the way you interview let's
1: like get your view on asynchronous interviews
2: <laughs> um this is an interesting one. The first article that I ever wrote on LinkedIn in 2018 was the death of one-way video interviews, and asynchronous interviews, so I am not a prophet of doom because they immediately started going up into the right as soon as I've written that thing, especially with the pandemic, um, it's just grown and grown and grown as a space the pc answer is there's a place there's a time for them um as well sometimes they were introduced heavily for early careers graduate hiring apprenticeship hiring as well and that's when they have super super high volume and they're just trying to funnel it down um as well off the back of it for me i have always disliked them and um, i do not think they're an engaging candidate experience i don't think that the convenience of doing an interview in your own time um outweighs the benefit of speaking to the people um, and doing a live interview as well and the flip side of them is i don't want so i'd rather not invest my time and rather say hey you're not going to be shortlisted for a an interview and be harsher in my application earlier on i'll be like great no i'm not a right fit for the role off the back of that there so um not a huge fan there are some Great providers out there, and I always do refer um, other people in my network um, whenever it comes to them. I, a couple that come to mind um, would be Sunny with interviewer AI out, um, in, in Asia and APAC as well. Closer home, you've got Ewan and the the Willow Crew um, as well, so I'm always happy to refer people to them. I just don't believe in the process um, as well, so yes, they can say it's time-saving, but um, if you think about it, your hiring managers are still going to sit there and review um, a good whack of them as well. We've talked a little bit about evaluating decision making as well on top of that. This just really cranks up the numbers on that and the mental fatigue that hiring managers will have to go through on assessing questions, questions, questions again from them on top of it. Um, whereas at least whenever they're interacting and they're live with someone, there's a bit of back and forth, a bit of brand, brand That's building component.
0: That's a, to- that's a that's a really good point right like like you, you still gotta watch the videos you still gotta watch them all like what time are you actually saving from from going through them? unless there's some hardcore which we've already unpacked as not being that great ai note taker that's going to synthesize everything for you and make a decision for you so if
2: ai like when well, my video interviews win the ball game if ai gets to the point where it can also shortlist and assess them for as well but Everyone on this call is probably pretty switched on on the AI, um, like uh, law that's coming out. So New York obviously has their local law. Um, I think it's 144 as well. Let's let's see how that plays out um, in terms of bias audits um, as well. There's an incredible startup um, based in Northern Ireland called enzyme pure AI auditing tool as well. Same idea again, trying to make sure companies are using AI in a fair and ethical way. European legislation starting to come out around fairness and AI as well. So if One-way video interviews can either be fairly assessed without having any kind of human intervention great then it's probably is a great tool as well nowhere near yet at the minute and how would you do it like purely on text accent bias could come in there because the transcription is not as accurate off the back of there. facial recognition we know the direction that that went for other big um one-way video interview providers um in terms of scoring candidates with um different skin tones either harsher or fair based off the back of that as well so like so many mistakes. And like I even saw it on a like a human level whenever I was doing it. We talked earlier eight interviews for live interviews as well. That got cranked up to 16, 20, 25 interviews. And people would expect you to assess in a day as well if it was completely async, which is just. You couldn't even decide what you're going to have for dinner at the end of that if you're, if you're assessing that many candidates on the same behaviors as well so
1: sorry increase increase the demand double, the short, the, the shorter, aren't they? A So the, the expectation is you can do more uh yeah, and, if the exactly. body, so.
2: and then the other side of it is busy hiring managers trying to fit that into their day role as well really difficult really really difficult but That's where they got introduced in in early careers and apprentices and graduate roles, because the volume of candidates, they're so high there. They're trying to narrow it down. Um, Do I think I can write the end of interviews part two in 2023? Probably not. I'm not going to make that prediction again. (laughs) It's just um, I need to tweak it uh, to some degree as well, because, yeah, not a huge fan, but I see the use case and why people buy it on efficiency. The last person who's touched on this one um, is you don't want to hire actors. And this is Jamie Betts from Neurosight, who said with the introduction of ChatGPT, if they're allowed to record as many times as possible, they can just grab it and prompt it based, really well prompted based on, here's the job spec, here's the role, here's the company website, here's what I'm going for there, answer answer this. I need a two, three minute script based based on my CV. Bang! They can have a perfect word, perfect, and you'd watch that back and be like, "Wow, incredible!" Need to hire this person. They get on the call, might, might a live interview. And they get. They get we, friends, I
0: mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then AI is evaluating the answer. <laughs> it's AI interviewing AI at the end with a human just delivering the words <laughs> to it, right? We talked about this with Nicola Sullivan yeah. a little bit from from Meeting Engage, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. I mean, we we, we, a, we need a to, we have, need to
1: talk a lot. Probably another whole, probably a, a episode about AI in the the candidate side. You, you, you touched on it, Michael. It's. I mean, and Chris and I, we, we've had this chat about, you know, should you allow, should you have this process where you have, you know, one part is, you know, AI is is open. It's it's, it's, it's imagine like it's like the Olympics where in terms of drugs and drug drug GT, you, know, you, you can do it, and then you've got another part which is it's not allowed, it's not permitted at all. But you have both of those.
0: Imagine how fast Usain would be. <laughs> so- how much and how fast are you saying it would be if he was allowed to take drugs so
2: take court? two departments there to 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 look at that as a use case marketing okay maybe it's a good for idea generation and like you know kicking off some things yeah. and doing like that so you'd be like for a marketing role mm-hmm. you'd be like that's okay development there's bugs that are coming out that people aren't spotting until four to six months down the line because no human would have ever like written that line of code that way. And then it makes it really difficult to debug off the back of that. Or the flip side of it, you speak to any of our, our developers in our team, they're like, one of the biggest things that we need is problem solving. And if you've got something that's just like prompt, write code, prompt, write code, prompt, write code, their problem solving ability might go completely out of the back of that. And then the, the last point is, if they have to rely on it so heavily for prompting um, and coding and their problem solving skills, your whole code base could be on open AI, it's, um, it's literally there if they keep putting in, this is what we're working on, can you optimize, can you do this, can you do this, you're literally sharing your whole code base um, and IP with someone as well. So marketing potentially, development potentially art. <laughs>
0: It's interesting. We again, Nicola and I and and uh, and us picked up, picked through this a little bit on like how do, like Darren was saying it's like opening it up a little bit. Now we let people you can Google answers to things, right? And produ- that we have access to the data that OpenAI is going to collect. It just consumes it considerably faster than than we do, and then spits it back out at you, right? Um, it doesn't force us to learn. And thus, do we miss something? And that's why we were chatting about, do you separate two sessions? But I totally and utterly agree with you. Like, it's not perfect. It's it's good for human use to regurgitate. But, like, even during interviews, I can tell if someone's using chat gpt Their answers are, their answers, I'm They're not nice. allowed to swear, but they are wet. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, I'm like, you know, and like you said, you were getting answers that Free were the same, that were repeated
2: well it's yeah. it's the way people structure it the same like and some people will naturally have this style but it used to crack me up if anyone now sends me an email or anything that says firstly secondly uh, thirdly and finally i'm <laughs> like that really and i'm in just summary. like it's summary. That's <laughs> yeah. yes, yeah. the one that is the one down.
1: Yeah. with a little emoji maybe a rocket as well at the end you know it's a, you can you start seeing that as well why do you think my <laughs> posts are I've,
0: over emoji i'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just referring to chris
1: all of chris's place
0: what other tool do you see in, in this in, in the world of TA or NHR that is either up and coming or super impactful right now that uh your your um you're an admirer of
2: i can't do one i've got, I've got to give you three um firstly secondly okay. and thirdly and in summary as well the back of it as well so okay. um there's a few people in the space who i just really believe in and like love what they're doing and happily refer them back forth left right center on calls as well so um firstly i mentioned them there Um, jimmy betts Neurosite. Um he is calling bullshit on the assessment industry and targeting early careers, high volume as well. Go watch some of his stuff on how to audit your hiring process on um, uh, generative AI, and you're going to love him. He's just really intelligent um, person in the space, helped other companies scale and grow, not doing it on his own off the back of it. So you need to get Jamie on the show. Um, Reham, um, if you've got Reham from Vite, um, I always call her the queen of bias. She has gone so deep in the problem space of bias whenever it comes to application and sifting as well and a really unique approach in that she's like people aren't going to shift away and move on to a new ats that does this end to end we need to sit live within their ats and blind everything across and start introducing tools that help them sift in a fair way as well so Reham also absolutely incredible last one again you'll notice a kind of theme here on like fairness and inclusivity uh martin mason um he is absolutely insanely good and i'm now hoping that i don't butcher his company name it's talent mapper um i believe and actually i'm gonna look at my emails here to make sure that that's the it case is, it is you've met yeah, him fantastic yeah. uh martin you referred him absolutely, actually, I think. Did I? Amazing. So Martin, nobody is going to crack the whole end-to-end. How do we make sure hiring is fairer um, than him? And he's also got a tool for internal talent mobility as well at the same time. So I think that's a big problem for big organizations across the world in that we've just talked about going out there, hiring end-to-end process. Hey, what do you do, Michael? Is that cool as well? You could cut out so much of the waste if you keep people really engaged internal and move them to the right roles that their skills are made for. So what Martin's doing in that space is amazing. and he also just goes in and gives so many workshops to people on how to do fair and inclusive hiring and what's the gaps and your, your process and where bias creeping in as well so yeah look, speak to all three of those get them on the show you're going to love them
0: thank you so much for joining us then michael
2: thanks for having um, me good crack
0: been great fun i mean i think we're going to have three more podcasts off the back of this we've promised you one on ai <laughs> one on unbiased hiring so um uh you know watch this space for, for future reference but again thank you so much Product looks unreal. How can people reach out to you?
2: Uh, good question. Michael at Equitas.ai. I can go the whole Michael um, Cyborg as well, where if anyone reaches out to me and mentions the podcast, I will get back in touch to you, no matter what it is. <laughs>
0: like that. Like that. The first person to offer a, offer, offer, a, <laughs> offer something. <That> mentions
1: us. <laughs> for being on. For being on. <laughs> that mentions you. Yeah, that mentions you. <laughs>
0: but uh but okay cool look, th- look th- th- thanks so much um reach out to michael directly guys if if, if anybody is list this thinks they want to have a look or a little deeper look or, or unpack any more of the of the product um or you know or i assume michael they can reach out to you if they just want to ask some questions on you know removing bias from their interview process because that's going to fight for, for days for you guys as well right so um uh, where can they follow you
2: linkedin or is too. is where i'm at don't have a twitter um exactly. unfortunately never got into it as well but um linkedin's yeah, the I'm quickest saying. way to get in touch with me
1: great
0: brilliant well again thank, thank you. you so much for being on the show and um yeah we'll hope we'll hope you see you in the future Chat to you soon
2: cheers for having me cheers